So the following scene could have taken place in any bakery, but this particular scene takes place in a bakery, so to speak, in El Salvador. So now this is a situation that Muriel uh, referred to in last week's sermon. But a week ago on Saturday, we were in El Salvador. We were visiting our partners at Cordero de Dios, Lamb of God, Lutheran Church in Soyapango, El Salvador. And one of the ministries we support there is vocational training. And one of the types of vocational training is baking. And that allows people to either bake out of their homes or at, at restaurants or other establishments to supplement their income. And uh, if you can imagine it, we were in the uh, Cordero de Dios building, so uh, cinder block, painted blue, semi-open air, and over to this side, imagine the altar area, and that's where all the vocational students are gathered, and in front of them is a table with all sorts of sweets that they've baked as kind of a demonstration or graduation project uh, for their program. And uh, we're clapping and applauding and hearing from various people in the program. I am standing kind of here in relation to all of that, so a little bit off to the side. And so I'm observing all of that, but at the same time, my eyes can also go straight in front of me to another room that's kind of semi-connected to where we are. And in that room on a table is an enormous baking tray with some bread on it, which is cooling. Now, of course, this is the tropics, so cooling is a relative term, but at least it's not in the oven. It's, it's just sitting there, and I notice it because it's a really big tray, and that's a lot of bread. Well, eventually, the presentation ends, and everyone goes up to sample the goods, and that tray I had noticed makes its way into the main uh, worship area, and, and people start cutting it and bagging it, and I make my way over there, and I ask if I can sample a piece of that bread. It's not just bread, people. Uh, a lot of you know that because of long-term sinus issues, I, I can't taste very well, but when I bit into that bread, I still can text, sense things like texture, and that bread was amazingly sweet. I don't know what shortening they used, but it was amazingly like rich. It looked very cinnamony, and the bread itself was nice and fluffy and light. It was amazingly warm and delicious. Mm. If you sold that at Starbucks warm like that with a good cup of coffee, you could get like eight to 10 bucks for that thing, and, and they would never stop selling it. It was awesome. I am the living bread come down from heaven. Anyone who eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. That's John chapter 6, verse 52, the end of today's gospel lesson. So let's talk a little bit about John's gospel before we come back to, to talking about bread. Um, in John's gospel, there are all sorts of things you should know. You should know that unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are largely kind of chronologies of what happens in Jesus' life and where each chapter has uh, different incidences and teachings, you know, each, each chapter has like four or five things going on. In John's gospel, uh, chronology doesn't matter so much. Stories just kind of pop up. And there are entire chapters devoted to single incidents. So if you were to read it, chapters 3, 4, 6... 9 and 11 are largely devoted to single events and the theological significance of those events. Chapter 6 is one of the most important. It's not just today's gospel. We could have read it for four consecutive weeks as a part of our services. But the portion we have today, 
comes in the middle of a long discussion. The start of the chapter is Jesus feeding the 5,000, but not just 5,000, that's the men, women and children as well, and there are 12 baskets left over. That then prompts a discussion between Jesus and the religious leaders as to when he talks about bread come down from heaven, he's not talking about like the manna in the wilderness that Moses gave because that just fed people for one day. Jesus is talking about something that feeds people for an eternity and that sets off a conflictual debate with the religious leaders of the time. And it's hard for them to hear what he's trying to convey which is God cares for our stomachs, but even more for our spirits. It's a different sort of feeding. Another thing you should know about John's gospel is it's, it's amazingly sacramental, even though the sacraments aren't present in this gospel. There's like one verse that kind of uh, relates the, the baptism of Jesus in chapter 1, and there's, there's no Last Supper. I mean, there is a Last Supper, but at the Last Supper in John's gospel, Jesus does what? He washes the disciples' feet, an example of servanthood that he leaves with them on that last night. But there's no, you know, breaking the bread and there's no sharing of the cup in John's gospel. Nevertheless, uh, wine and bread are all over the place in this gospel. What's the first miracle in John's gospel? Wedding of Cana, right? And the quick review on that is Jesus is just an average guest. He's a little bit off to the side, in a sense, observing what's going on. They run out of wine. Mary says, Jesus, do something. He's like not too excited about it, but he orders the guys, the, 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 the servants, to fill uh, uh, these 20-gallon jugs, six of them, with water, and only they are aware that it's turned into wine. The steward then says, this is like the best wine ever. Then you get to chapter 6. All those people are fed. There's plenty left over. You, you see the symbolism of both these chapters, right? In other words, Jesus isn't the central character in either story to begin with, but when prompted, he enters the story and he brings with it a deliciousness and abundance that is breathtaking. That's this meal that we share, right, to this very day. It is abundant. It feeds the world. It is delicious. So very good for our spirits. It never runs out. It feeds us for a lifetime and beyond. Jesus is the living bread come down from heaven. Not just bread, I would say sweet bread at that. Um, I think one of the things that's going on in our world right now that John chapter 6 is really uh, uh, um, intrinsic to at some level is that there, there are kind of two reactions to, to all the events that are happening in our world right nowadays. And one of those things is to kind of abandon faith and religion, to say that science has kind of superseded it and, and religion is kind of a quaint or actually damaging holdover from previous centuries. And, and so people kind of walk away from it. Uh, I, I think another response is to kind of double down on sort of a uh, we're the only possible route uh, to God's love and favor, and it becomes kind of a, a closed and, and, and almost punitive sort of Christianity. Um, I don't think either of those are, are where uh, Jesus teaches us to be, especially in John chapter 6. So uh, think, think of what he's, what he's trying to communicate to us there. He, he talks about how he's seen the Father, the Father's seen him, but what he's ultimately leading to is that the Father sends him, and then he sends us. 
we become the living body of Christ. We become something that feeds the world. Think of our own congregation uh, and, and science, for example. We have tons of scientists in this congregation, engineers and life science people and, and, and software people, all of whom work in a really dynamic, uh, God-blessed uh, field. Uh, science and faith, they easily get along, but, but they each have their weaknesses, and I think one of the weaknesses of science is it, it is almost by design sort of amoral. It just figures stuff out. It doesn't necessarily tell us how to apply them. If you work in one of those fields or teach in one of those fields, every day you have an opportunity to bring, in a sense, um, a, a forward vision to those fields to make sure that they are moral, that they are ethical, that, that when we develop AI or social networking, that it isn't just random, but there is some sense of responsibility and, and respectfulness to it. This is who we can be in our daily lives and jobs as a people who bring faith and science together. It's so relevant, not irrelevant. As for what type of faith community should we be, um, Jesus wants us to be welcoming and open and loving and serving. You, you don't win the world by the purity of your doctrine. You, you win it by the humility of your service to, to others. And, and as a result, uh, we walk day by day uh, not knowing what lies ahead and, and not spending time worrying about that. Uh, lots of people talk to me about, like, What's the future? What's our church going to be like? Are people going to come back after the pandemic? Um, who knows? Uh, there's no reason to put energy into worrying about that. All I know is there are, there are all sorts of fields ahead of us uh, into which uh, we are sent to, to be part of the harvest. We've got Michelle Apperhamian joining us in a month to lead our Sunday school program. Uh, there is so much energy around that. Be part of that. Um, the backyard project will get finished soon. Uh, it'll be like the patio, only 10 times over. Safe, good outdoor places to gather and be healthful and to have fun and, and to play and to worship and, uh, and a dozen other things. Um, all of these things lie in our future, and we remain a congregation uh, welcoming to all, inviting to all. Some of that will continue to be in person as it always has been. Some of it will be like this service, uh, online and, 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 and more. And, and that's a cool thing. Uh, it's so very important that we meet people exactly where you're at and you us. Uh, this is who we can be as a faith community. Don't, don't worry about the future people of God. Live into the future and bring it a blessing. Sometimes you find yourself in life kind of off to the side. And, and you're just standing there, but you see something kind of amazing in the distance. This huge tray of bread, warm, waiting to be consumed. And when you finally get a taste of it, it is sweet and delicious. And it's like there's no end to it. That's communion. That's Jesus. That's the body of Christ. It's our identity, our mission, our purpose. We're just getting started. Thanks be to God.